the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. If you've ever been confused by the title, it means we're loud. This is our quiet time with you. Hello. And now I don't think anybody would be confused. It's kind of self-explanatory. I'm sorry. Kinda, kinda. I wish I could go back in time and take it back. I think it's not self-explanatory until they start listening and they go, oh, a couple of loud oh, people obnoxious. sharing openly <laughs> about what they believe in. Sure. And apparently last week or the last episode, if you're binging these, uh, I took up all the time. You did. You did. You, you you told me at the very end, we're like, I, I think we're done here. We're going to end it here. I was not expecting you to not say anything. Just so you know. I didn't realize I took up all the time. Your time. We're actually out of time already right now. <laughs> Uh, no, we love getting to do this and there's some, uh, great celebrations and there's, um, some hard moments too. And, uh, I have a friend that, uh, this is going to pose a very, you know, one of the biggest questions we have in our faith mm-hmm. is why does God allow bad things to happen? And my, a friend of mine, he texted me last week and his son is three and, uh, has some special needs. Uh, but then they found out he's going to have to go on a feeding tube the rest of his life. Yeah. Well, and then the next day they find out because they weren't sure what the need was really this whole time. Mm-hmm. And it is a brain disease that where he will eventually lose function and pass away. So the quote rest of his life is going to be a very limited experience as well. I don't even know how long that is. I, I, I just couldn't even bring myself to ask. Um, okay. Okay. And it, I, I don't know if that's a, a decade or a year or 30 years or what, but wow. I mean, this little boy's three years old. Oh my word. And you know, it, it, you really just, um, when you have kids, you just kind of feel it a little more because it, you know, it was always a terrible, it would have been a terrible situation. Well, you can try to sympathize with people, but the empathy part is when you've been there and know what yeah. it's like to be in it. So yeah, it's in a silly way, love. Yeah. You know, you watch a romance movie. Well, why did he make it such a big deal? Because he broke up with her and blah, 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 blah. And, and then when you go through it, you feel it, right? Oh yeah. So, you know, my wife and I have talked about, why did this have to happen to them? Mm-hmm. How is this going to help them in their life? And it's uh, it's a hard question. And, and just interesting timing for me was, I went to a... Uh, there's this theological library in our area where uh, uh, theologians and scholars and, and people with their doctorates will come give lectures, uh, which is something as a teenager, you know, you never wanted a lecture. Uh, and now I'm voluntarily, you know, voluntarily going on my own. Just to, the sentence of, I went to a theological library. Yeah. Most people right now are like, I thought you said you guys were obnoxious. Yeah. Well, no, well, this is the 1% of my life that uh, now granted I'm the, I'm the most obnoxious person at this event. I mean, there is that. Um, but there was a woman that uh, her her whole point was evil, hmm. and and what do we do with it, and how do we reconcile it? What does the Bible truly say? Where do we get it wrong, even? Hmm. And um, I think what's one of the most fascinating things is that well, I, th- I think I'll start here with the at the beginning with the the Garden of Eden, because natural evils are the, she posed the question like sickness. Are they included in God's creation? So natural, broken, you didn't do anything sinful. Mm-hmm. A sickness, a weather event. Yeah, okay. These evils that we see in this world, what are they? And um, I think it, uh, for me, 
it was very interesting. Um, it, the, the words life outside of the garden brings pain. Mm-hmm. And we are pretty far from the garden now is how she phrased it. Okay. And it just kind of, I guess the evils in there, it, it comes along with the territory of a broken world. And, that, and that's still hard to reconcile, don't get me wrong. But it puts it into perspective of why does God allow, well, because this wasn't his original plan. The ground is cursed. It's an uncooperative world. There is no tree of life to potentially go get healing from. I mean, could you imagine if there was anything to pop up and then it's like, well, eat this fruit from the tree of life, boom, cures all, you know? I mean, whatever it might've been. And um, animals, you know, for that matter, I mean, all creation is groaning in pain because of humanity's failure to follow God. And and that's, you know, when I when I entered um, this this time of, of hearing her out, uh, obviously this situation was on my mind. Yeah. And, and of all of what she said, that was the part that really applies to some of those bigger questions that we have of why do these unexplainable things have to happen? Mm. Um, but obviously moving on to evil that is um, whatever kind, why is it allowed in my life specifically? And um, she pointed out, where uh, Jesus is talking in Luke 22, 31 and 32. And he said that uh, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat, but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. And um, Mm. she pointed out that God has a plan for our lives and so does Satan. Mm Mm-hmm. That's kind of surreal to think about that uh, there is a, like an upside down, if you watch Stranger Things, like an upside down version of our lives is is what I kind of thought of, where it's like, there are specific things that are being requested in my life. And obviously God allows or doesn't allow, but we have, I mean, that's why prayer is so important. You know, Jesus is praying for his disciples Mm -hmm. and how did he, I have pleaded in prayer for you. Yeah. And, and you have, I mean, I think it's just stepping back and going, because I asked that question too, why do bad things happen? But stepping back and going, look at all that has happened. I just, I don't know the half of it, of the beginning of the world and the original plan and the fall of Satan, and then the spiritual battle that's going on all around us. Hmm. When you brought that up, it's interesting because you did distinguish between the natural type of disaster or medical issue that there's no fault or blame. Mm-hmm. This isn't a sin issue. Um, you distinguish those because that is what she was referencing, that we're so far from the garden. But it's interesting that everything in the garden, intact, unbroken, mm-hmm. however, Satan was still in there. Yeah, I know. So it's like, okay, well, does that mean that they were free of temptation? No. But obviously not. And yeah. they made a choice, and the choosing of that is a sin act. It is not a natural disaster brokenness type thing, right? Um, and Jesus says that I, yes, you're being sifted. I am praying for you. Encourage one another. But it doesn't say I'm lifting you out of the places where you might be tempted. Yeah, yeah. So there's so much. It's interesting because um, I was listening to a, a podcast from the guys uh, that, that do the Bible Project. It's Tim Mackey. Highly recommend. And it's been very helpful because he has hugely studied 
the entire Bible in its symbolism. And you cannot go a page of the Bible without landing on some form of vegetation. And it always references back to the Eden place where we, God wants to take us to that place, that quote, garden. And he, Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is right now. So he wants to give it, it's not just eventually, well, yes, one day we will live in his presence in perfection all the time. It's gonna look a lot differently, but we are never without his presence as followers of Christ. He says, I'm always with you. And so uh, the Holy Spirit, it's interesting. I was listening to a message the other day and I thought it was per- it was put perfectly. It was Dr. Tony Evans. He was sharing about the Holy Spirit. If Jesus walked into a room And he said, pretend it's Sunday and y'all see Jesus, everybody. He said, first of all, the message is over. Like (laughs) my sermon, Mm -hmm. I'm going into the audience. I'm going to try to to see Jesus. Right, yeah. It's over. And everybody, everybody's going to want to say, I'll take you to lunch, Jesus. He said, but I'm, I'm going to take Jesus to lunch. (laughs) I'm a senior pastor. I can just take Jesus to lunch. (laughs) But he, he pointed out just like a celebrity, Jesus chose, and for very specific reasons, God chose to become flesh because what was broken was broken first by man. And the only one who could fix that was God himself. So he came in the flesh to do that. He came to redeem us back, which is pretty significant. But he was limited to the human body He knew things before they happened. He could heal people. He was still God in the flesh, but he was limited by flesh. So he couldn't go to lunch with everybody. Yeah, Yeah, he couldn't be everywhere at once, right? But the Holy Spirit can and does. And so before Jesus left, I'm going to send a helper. You're gonna do even bigger things than I did. This stuff is gonna spread, right? And that was just encouragement. So when Jesus is praying for Simon Peter, this isn't just noise. You know, I'm you will have me. And John will have me. And Bartholomew will have me. Like all the disciples. In fact, all the people that you teach my word to and believe and choose to follow after me will have me. And so we have the garden with us, but we are not going to be lifted out. Sure. Yeah of the the place where the enemy can come in and tempt. We will not be lifted out of the place of the broken, the natural disaster. The, the I mean, it's just, this is a broken world. Well, and this is why it's good to keep in mind because uh, she quoted N.T. Wright, who uh, probably knows more about the New Testament than anybody on the face of the earth, and says, we often face evil in three ways. We're caught off guard by it. So it slaps us in the face. Uh, or we handle it in immature ways. Mm. And that's, I think when you look at a a situation of sickness or a storm, and I don't know, I, I think about myself of there's been, um, like we just had a recent um, tornado in our area. Yeah. My house has never been affected by it. I don't, I don't really think about the, even the possibility of it. I've never had that close of a call. And so when it when it does, if it does, um, I could sit here and 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 I've never pondered. I think really deeply of like this literally could be anybody. When we watch the news, it seems like well, 
That doesn't happen to people I know. That doesn't happen to me. And when it does, because these are people being affected, I, I, immature ways might come up. I mean, that question of why, why, why did it have to be? And to, I think at least, I think it was good to have a, um, mm-hmm. this, this uh, lecture uh, at a time where we should be, uh, I guess we've have we said holding things loosely yeah. often, yeah. often, and not just trying to open up my hands when something bad happens, but, mm-hmm. but recognize that we live in a broken world every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and something that, uh, I think there were two key things that was like, okay, this is a really good takeaway of like, okay, so what do I actually do? Um, we are made in the image of God. So if we are, we allow ourselves to be beaten down, it's often because we've lost value in ourselves and we see ourselves as less than, but God said, let us make humanity in the image of God. Jesus said, when you do this, do uh, do, do this, do to the least of these, you do it for me because we are all image bearers. Mm-hmm. And so I got to think about that one Hebrew word for, for curse um, is to belittle or make small. It is a curse when we belittle ourselves or others. And I think that ties in with, uh, I think my biggest takeaway, I was just like, wow, I never would have thought about it like that. That uh, the times we read about evil in scripture, the counterpart isn't the word good but it's a reference to sight or perception. Like when the Israelites disobeyed, they did what was right in their own eyes. Or when God is saying how everything good uh, was in creation, he saw that it was good. And there's this idea that goodness has to do with seeing things the way God sees them. Mm -hmm. When we approach things from our own perspective Mm -hmm. and what seems right in our own eyes, we stray from God's goodness and because evil is not really this tangible thing. Mm-hmm. God's standard is the tangible be all. And it is a, a tangent, a variation. It is, a, how, did, how did she even phrase it? She phrased it as evil is the corruption of all creational and relational goodness. All evil can do is take something good and pollute it. Good is what started. Good is God. And evil is simply this variation, this thing that is not- A perversion. Good. Of- it's a perversion of it. Yeah. And sometimes we think about, oh, well, that's evil. It's this, it, good, good versus evil is not a thing. It's the lack of good. So the perspective needs to be flip-flopped. When you were saying, why, why would this happen to me? And this is going to be so, please do not let this land callously, but this is something I need to work on and say, but why shouldn't it be me? Mm. Mm-hmm. So am I, is God a respecter of persons? Um, what makes me special? Why is that follower of Christ over there dealing with cancer? And I'm not, I mean, mm-hmm. oh, well, I'm blessed. Does that mean they're not blessed? Mm. I mean, these are the types of things. So flip-flopping the perspective. And I've heard, this was a quote from the late Rich Mullins. And when you lose a child at a young age, why did you take him away so many so many years young is kind of, that's where I would go. Please don't take away my son. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I'm, you know, I have two teenagers myself. So if tomorrow, God forbid, one of my children is gone, and perhaps you listening, you've experienced that, so you know. Rich Mullins shared, could you flip-flop the perspective and say instead, Lord, thank you 
for the years that I had this precious treasure, this gift. And it is a bittersweet, this whole thing we call life. Jesus said, I am life. So it's this is only like a halvesies. Like this is a taste of what the real thing yet to come is. Yeah. Our eternal life with him will be whole. It will be complete. We will not be for wanting anything. We will be satisfied fully. Now we can be satisfied if we start changing perspective now. Sure. And I sure. start to look at it from what I'm sure your friends as Christ followers are are struggling to do. Um, or if they're not that's another thing. It's like, what if your friends are not? They're not Jesus followers. So yeah, you can't yeah. necessarily talk to them in these in yeah. these ways at all. Well, and even if even if they were Jesus followers, like gauge that carefully. Like if you have friends right now sure. who are struggling, it's like there's a right time to talk with them and it, wrong time. I mean, it's hard, obviously, because as of that, and and just going, well, this isn't going to help them believe. You know? Yeah. If they ask you, how could a good God? Right. I think just owning the fact, I don't have the answers. Yeah. No, and, and it's you true know? because I don't. And and I think the only thing that, w- with what you said, the only thing that will help the outlook, because if this is just reality, right? Mm-hmm. If God um, is allowing these things to happen because he has a perfect plan. There's a plan, yeah. You know, you can't sit here and go, God allows this things to ha- these things to happen. He must be evil. Well, you would have to prove he has evil intentions and you can't do that because this plan is working together, especially when this is just a, such a small piece of time when you think about eternity. Right. And so I would liken it to just trying to have that perspective. When you go to a new job mm-hmm. and they're actually upfront about what you're going to do. Um, okay, this part of your job really stinks. This jo- this part is fun. Mm-hmm. You're going to be working late hours this time of the year. Yeah. And you can really have that, that expectation on what it generally is, as opposed to when you walk into a job, oh, it's great. You're home by five every day and you blah, blah, blah. Uh, I personally view life like that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, life's going to work out. It's going to be this. Then I'm going to plan on doing that. And then, no, what the job description of life that the Bible set up is that it's not easy. Mm-hmm. And then at this time of the year, you know, I got a friend. He works in accounting. He had to get out 29,000 tax returns for this huge company that he works for. He was working until 2 a.m. and getting up at 6 a.m. Okay, that part of the job, that yeah. season in January stinky stinks, and the Bible also says that there will be seasons in life that stinks. But but what? Where does life come from? And my pastor said this recently. Where does life bloom from? Mm. What's well, the stinky stuff of life that helps fertilize? <laughs> yeah. those moments. Yeah, that's yeah. It's a really good reminder. Um, I think we sell ourselves a bill, a bill of goods. Like, it's the same thing. All right, let's use another analogy. We'll go back to the rom-com, the romantic movie. None of those characters are real. The things that they say perfectly at the right time, mm-hmm. somehow they, at the end of the movie, come to this place of realizing that they were wrong and they fall in love in the rain. And that's the end of the movie. I eat it up like popcorn, Okay. I'm not saying anything wrong. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, but it's not real, right. right? So, so you can't expect it. <laughs> you can't expect. Yeah, don't put that on other people. But that guy did this, <laughs> and, and you the, complete. The guys me. are thinking, yeah. And when she was in the rain, she looked a lot different than when I've seen you in the rain. <laughs> you know, I don't know, whatever. But the point is, is that we have these expectations that that are fiction. 
They are not real. We think the same about faith. Yeah. You read in certain parts of scripture, it seems like if you read verbatim the scripture, that everything is going the way that they want it to go because everything is coming up. You'll read that in the Psalms even. There are some Psalms that are dire. I mean, it's like death. I read one this morning, Psalm 88. It was just all sad. Usually there's a point of redemption at the end of the Psalm where it's like, but Lord, I still trust you. Uh Uh This one actually pointed out, Psalm 88, that everything stinks. They're choosing, there's no redemption at the end, but they're still choosing to trust, even though it's stinky and there's no there's no light at the end of the tunnel. I thought that was an interesting one to read. But you read through these and think, oh, David's foes, every single one of them fell before him. Did you read about David's family trouble? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. we have to read these things, quote, with a grain of salt sometimes and see it as symbolism. And even as choices being made as they are singing the psalm, I am choosing, even though I haven't seen the end result yet, that God, you know something I don't, you are victorious. We have to like what Jesus is implying with his prayer. I am praying for you. Well, if you were great and everything's coming up roses, why would he need to? Yeah. And we've talked a lot about people leaving the faith on this podcast. Somebody said it so well. That's a big issue because uh, the church hasn't helped in it. But a lot of times it's people that hold God to promises that he never, never made. Never made. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Never made him. And we go, well, God will bless my life if I do this. Ain't, ain't nobody said that. Well, I mean, obviously yeah. people have said that. It says no, that scripture, that in scripture is is nowhere you can find. I love the the fact that you brought up the manure, the fertilizing. I think that's important. There's a great song. Perhaps you've heard it. There were times, I think even Laura's story would tell you it was overplayed, but I think we needed to hear its message over and over again, that sometimes blessings come through raindrops. So how many times have you said, and I am, I am not quote guilty of this. It's just a truth. I have said, I'm very blessed because this travesty did not touch me. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that I wasn't blessed if it did. Yeah, and I'll tell you this, you probably didn't grow as spiritually as the person it did affect. And God knows he has a plan. Like you said, there is a time and a purpose for everything that happens under heaven. If I truly subscribe to my God loves me so much that he died on a cross to save me and everybody else who believes, can I trust him with this? It may not feel momentary. Maybe you feel like you've been in a prison of sorts for a while. I can't fathom what this family's going through and knowing that in knowing that they don't know anything. Yeah. My three-year-old child has this sickness and I don't know if I have tomorrow with him. It sounds like I, yeah, it, I don't know. But I do have a relationship with Jesus and I know him and I can trust him. And there's this incredible story my dad would always share with me when I would get confused or fearful. And it's the story, um, Corey Ten Boom was this incredible lady. She and her family helped hide some of the Jewish people that were dealing with the horrific, the, the situation with the Nazis, the Third Reich, and they lived in Poland. And so they created a hiding place and they were caught eventually. And, and Corey went to a concentration camp, lost so many family members, and by a fluke, if you want to call it that, was released from the concentration camp. Um, 
there's this story that she shared about her dad. She was very nervous, this little girl, very nervous. They were going to go on the train and she knew she had to have a ticket. She wasn't sure who had the ticket, where is it? And so she was having trouble releasing this. And it was depicted in the story as bedtime. Papa comes into the room to say goodnight. And she's still very concerned about, I need my ticket. And you've got a little guy at home, Ezra. I'm sure he would be very, ticket, ticket, you know, getting excited about going on the train. And the simple phrase, Corey, I have your ticket. It's in my pocket. And I will give it to you when it's time. And if we can trust an earthly dad, how much more can I trust a heavenly father who has my ticket and my family's ticket? Well, thank you. I, I know this is a hard subject, but, yeah. uh, but thank you for joining us this week and uh, hanging out here with the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. 